What's the word, people? Welcome to the inaugural episode of What's the Word? I am one half of your host, Sherman Hall, a.k.a. Sherm, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Mr. Ron Ricketts. What's going on, man? Good to see you. What's going on, man? Good to see you, too. It's like, I'm glad to be here. Excited to try something new. I'm looking forward to working with you. All right, great. For you guys that don't know, What's the Word is a show by the fans, for the fans, covering a variety of sports as well as entertainment, and breaking down the latest news and highlights, and giving you our perspective on what's happening in the world of sports and entertainment today. To touch base on what we're about and trying to accomplish, each episode of What's the Word will let us showcase the facts and give our opinions about the latest events. Sherm will give his New York perspective, and I'll give my Maryland ideas and bring them to light. We invite all of our fans to comment and give us our feedback on the show, as well as their own personal thoughts on any topic that we cover. You ready to get this going, Sherm? Man, I'm ready. Let's get it cracking. Well, let's get it done. Cool. Coming up first, the 2018 college football season is finally getting underway. The AP poll was recently released. Of course, we got the Alabama Crimson Tide at number one once again for the third consecutive year. Only other school to accomplish that feat was the Oklahoma Sooners. This is Alabama's actually ninth straight season opening in the top three. They're followed by number two Clemson Tigers and the number three Georgia Bulldogs, the defending SEC champs. At number four, we've got Wisconsin ahead of Ohio State at number five, which caught a lot of people by surprise. Could this be due to the Urban Meyer issue? We'll get into that later on in the, in the show. But, Ronnie, let me ask you this. Alabama, number one again. You know, they've lost a lot of talent to the NFL. Some folks think that actually Clemson should be ahead of them. You know, they've got that unique quarterback battle between Tua and Jalen. Yeah. Where do you see Alabama right now? I do see them at number one. I don't disagree with that. However, the Jalen and Tua situation, mm-hmm. my nod probably would say go with Tua mm-hmm. simply because that he had the same time to prepare for Jalen. But when he was called upon and it was his time to shine, he came in through a half of a football game and won the biggest game of his career, hands down. So with that being said, you know, winning is everything, and that's what Alabama is expected to do, and that's what he got done. Absolutely. So only time will tell, you know. Nick Saban will let us know as soon as he figures (laughs) it out himself. Absolutely, absolutely. I personally think Jalen will get the nod at quarterback to start the year, and Tua will actually take over because Jalen's going to be on a short lease. As you said, Nick Saban, he'll he'll announce it when he wants to announce it. Number two, Clemson, of course, you know, some people favored actually to win the national championship game. Vegas actually has him as a four to one favorite, according to the Las Vegas Superbook. Now, they were led by that defensive line who actually has the potential of being drafted in the first round altogether. Do you think Clemson will be there at the end of the season, Ron? Absolutely. I, I firmly believe that because I think they're an explosive team. They're outstanding offense. Their defense is dominant. And. They're just, they just not a win. Yeah, Dabo Sweeney <laughs> has definitely brought the swag back to Clemson. No question. No Number question. three, Georgia Bulldogs, obviously the runner-up to the national championship game. They're led by their sophomore quarterback, Jake Fromm. Now, Coach Kirby Smart has done a great job since arriving in Georgia. I think this is the beginning of great things to come for that program. Absolutely. I think Kirby Smart is definitely an outstanding coach, and he's doing a great thing with the Bulldogs, and I think he's got Fromm on the right track on Possibly, who knows? Maybe being a Heisman candidate. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I like it. I like the prediction, Ron. The number four Wisconsin Badgers, as I mentioned earlier, might have taken a couple people by surprise. They actually received they did receive one first place vote. But, you know, Wisconsin, I don't think they're the fourth best team in the country right now. Like I said, I think they might just be ahead of Ohio State because of the issue with Urban Meyer. So mm, they had to replace somebody in the Big Ten with another team. Yeah. So I think Wisconsin will have another good year, but I don't see them as the fourth best team in the country right now. Yeah, and I, I agree with that statement. I don't see them as the fourth best as right now because, like I said, they were predicted to possibly lose like they did last year, and they had a great season until they got up to the end of the season when 
when it really got the competition really got stout pretty right. much. So you know, only time will tell. And maybe like I said, it's too early to see what it really going to happen. But mm-hmm. absolutely, rounding out the top five, we have Washington at number six, followed by the Oklahoma Sooners at number seven. And then we've got Miami, Auburn, and Penn State, respectively. Now, Oklahoma's got a unique situation. They've got to replace their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Baker Mayfield. you got the redshirt junior, Kyler Murray, 5'10". He's an athletic guy who can actually run the field. You know, and really, we're not sure how long he's going to be around, Ron. He's right. actually been drafted by the Oakland A's in the Major yeah. League Baseball. So, who knows? You may have him for this one year, and that's it. You may have to look again. I mean, what do you feel about the Oklahoma Sooners going into the year? I feel as though they're going to have to make a very quick decision because that one decision can possibly affect their whole entire season. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other unique situation, I feel, you've got Penn State with Trace McSorley leading their way, their senior quarterback, who's real, a proven winner. You know, I think Coach Franklin has done an excellent job with Trace, putting him in the right situations, putting him in the perfect schemes to let him succeed. And really, this is going to be a different year for them because they've got to replace their star running back, Saquon Barkley, who went to the NFL draft. Now, you've got Miles Sanders taking over. He's a unique, speedy back who I think can do a lot of things. But Trace, you know, caught a lot of people by surprise. You know, yeah. some people are actually putting him into possibly a Heisman Trophy candidacy race. ESPN's Kirk Kerbstreit actually called them the 2018 version of Baker Mayfield. Not in any negative aspect, of course, just his abilities to win and do the things he does on the field. I mean, do you think Penn State, you know, Trace McSorley can lead them to the victory again? I, I honestly do firmly believe that Trace McSorley can get it done. You know, he's a proven winner. You know, he's a very valid leader, and he's been battle-tested. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, with all that aspect of it, you know, he could still get it done as far as, you know, making the plays down the field, you know, scoring at will when he needs to score at the last possible minute. This The fact is, is, is that running game going to help him to kind of keep the offense balanced how he was used to last season? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we've got some key matchups in the first week of the 2018 college football season. A unique game is Louisville at the number one mm-hmm. Alabama Crimson Tide, where Coach Bobby Petrino of the Louisville Cardinals actually recently almost pretty much guaranteed yeah, a victory. Guaranteed. <laughs> you know, I think he's got to slow down. You are facing Alabama, but we'll see what happens there. We've got Washington visiting number nine Auburn Tigers. Now, Auburn mm. has their returning quarterback, Jared Stidman, but Washington, I think, is led by their running back. Miles Gaskin, who's a very, very dynamic player. Now, of course, people say they're led by their quarterback, Jake Browning, who's who's very talented as yeah. well, too. But I think Miles Gaskin is going to come out and surprise some people and actually lead, might even lead the league in, in rushing this year. Yeah, it's very possible. But it's also up to, is the Washington defense capable of stopping that tricky Auburn offense? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you might think that you got them down pat and then they're always coming out with a wrinkle. Right, right. Absolutely. It's hard to say. Absolutely. We've got a bit of an old school rivalry being renewed this weekend as well, too. Number 14, Michigan at number 12, Notre Dame. Now, Michigan recently announced that their quarterback, Shady Patterson, will get the nod, the Ole Miss transfer. Now, I think this is a year that Jim Harbaugh really needs to step up with his program. And he's been a lot of hype has been surrounding him ever since he arrived in Ann Arbor from the NFL. I think this is the year that Michigan really needs to make a statement, not only in the Big Ten, but in the college football world. Uh, I think that you know Michigan has a lot of potential to do some good, but this is the year they've got to get it done. Yeah, no question. I think that they're saying that they're going to win this game before the game's even won, but mm-hmm. they need to make this very first game of the week of the season that they play that this is a statement game. Absolutely. No ifs, ands, or buts about it because if they don't, they're not going to take the coach serious for the rest of the year. Then things could go downhill for them. Absolutely. Another game we're looking at is number eight Miami versus 
the number 25 LSU Tigers. Now, of course, last year Miami had a great year, started off hot and kind of simmered down towards mm-hmm. the end of the season. Now that turnover chain, I'm sure, will be back yeah. from the Miami yeah, Hurricanes. Precious. So they're they're pride on that defense. Now Ed Orgeron, obviously, you know, is it might be in a little bit of a hot seat with the LSU. So I think Miami will take the nod in this game. I think Miami is definitely coming back to where they were. The U was going to be represented in this game very strongly. Um, I think Miami is going to surprise some folks this year. Might even finish in the top three, but I guess that's wait to be seen. So I know we'll see what happens there. I think the game is actually going to be a lot closer than a lot of people might think, really? just because of the, the 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 rankings. You know what I'm saying? Miami's ranked really high. You know, LSU's squeaking right in there. If they go t- for team speed, if you compare that on the same level, LSU's a fast team. Mm-hmm. So is Miami. However, at the end of the day, is Miami's still going to be able to make those plays down the field like they did last year. Only time will tell. The last matchup we're looking at this week is the number 20th ranked Virginia Tech. Hope he's facing the number 19 Florida State Seminoles. Now, I know Virginia Tech's got some holes to fill on the defensive side, especially with their D-backs, three of which won't be with the team this year, one due to injury. Florida State, I feel like they're back where they want to be. They're coming back up, you know, being that limelight. And what do you think about this game? Actually, Sherm, this is one of the games that I actually had circled out of the whole entire matchup in the top 25. Really? That, yeah, because I honestly think that Florida State has a lot to prove. You know, they got the new coach in Willie Taggart, you know, good fundamental coach, and he's going to get the young guys back on track. And, you know, the return of DeAndre Francois, I think that makes a world of a difference for the team. And – it's on the up and up from that. So we'll Absolutely. See. All right. Coming up next, we'll stay on college football and discuss the current situation at Ohio State and surrounding coach Urban Meyer. So stay tuned. If anyone has been following the latest college football news, then you know what is happening at Ohio State with head coach Urban Meyer, who was recently suspended for the first three games of the 2018 season after initially being placed on an administrative leave. Now, he's been suspended for failing to uphold school standards and misrepresenting what he knew about the allegations surrounding former assistant coach Zach Smith for abuse allegations against his spouse, Courtney Smith. Now, the first three games that Urban Meyer will miss are games against Oregon State, Rutgers, and number 16 TCU, which in my opinion was all a scheme to that way make sure he's back for the number f- their fifth game of the year against number 10 Penn State. I personally feel that it was more of a slap on the wrist than a real punishment. He should have suspended at least six games, if not the entire season. I personally feel that this was just a stunt to just show something that they're doing something, but they wanted to make sure he was back in time for that game against Penn State. He gets one game back before that. He gets so he gets him back in the groove, and he gets to get a go ahead and gets Penn State into the Lions. Now, I mean, Urban Meyer, he's a well-respected coach before this, I guess you would say. He has a great, great resume. But, I mean, this was just really the school just doing something because they knew they had to do something. Yeah, Sherm, I just wanted to stop you right there. That's where I kind of want to chime in and let it known. I think the punishment reflects his reputation. It also Mm. reflects the reputation of the type of coach that he is and also the type of school that Ohio State wants to be. Okay. They want to look good in the media. They want to look good in front of everybody, and they want to be good at football. So the bottom line is they don't want to punish what's going to make them good and get those wins – and then come back and say that, hey, you know, want to plug you in right here and just expect you to win the rest of the season and win out. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening, so exactly what you explained mm-hmm. is exactly what I think they're trying to do. That's because, you know, he's getting a slap on the wrist, he's getting punished in front of the media, but he's also getting his team back in the reins to where he could take control and still not really skip a beat. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the big thing everyone was talking about his, was his latest press conference 
where he seemed robotic, yes, unapologetic. He really stuck to the script. It was yeah. a, you know, I, I understand he wanted to get it, make sure he got his message across and said his words carefully, but you know, the whole entire time throughout that press conference, he never mentioned Courtney Smith's name once, never mentioned her by name. He apologized to Buckeye Nation. He, you know, he made his, his comment where a reporter asked him, What do you have anything to say to Courtney Smith? and he said, And I quote, I'm sorry we're in this situation. Never issued an apology to Courtney Smith until recently, just a few days ago. He actually came out on his Twitter feed yes. and apologized to Courtney Smith and her family and her children. But to me, if you're going to apologize, stand up, apologize to everyone, to her face, if it's not over a phone call or something, and actually give her a, a genuine apology. Exactly. Genuine. This was just, you know, he was being forced by the media because he seemed mundane in his in his approach at the press conference. I mean, how do you feel? Did it come across like you genuine? And did you think he was I, I think, sincere? Honestly, for knowing the type of person for all the other interviews that you know Urban Meyer has done in the past, football related, and what he's shown that's obvious for what he did for the apology, it's like two different people. So honestly, to me, it seemed like it was forced. It was very robotic, as they quote and say. And I think. Honestly, it should have been handled in a different situation. Absolutely. I think even ESPN's Paul Feinbaum called it a cheap PR stunt. Exactly. I mean, this was just something just basically just to show face. I still just don't think Urban Meyer just doesn't get it, doesn't realize the severity of the situation. Anything like this occurs, whether it's allegations, you know, anything, you have to speak up, you have to do more and step up to the plate. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we come back, our last topic today will be on the University of Maryland surrounding their controversial head football coach, DJ Durkin. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. So with the University of Maryland football program in the hot seat surrounding head coach DJ Durkin in the controversy there, who's been recently been placed on administrative leave due to amid a toxic culture, quote, against the football program. Now, DJ Durkin, he's been with Maryland since 2016. He has an overall record of 10 and 15 with the program. He actually coached under Urban Meyer at Bowling Green for yeah. two years in Florida for a year. So it's kind of ironic that both of these coaches are have some issues going on going into this season. Now, everything started, of course, with the death of offensive lineman Jordan McNair in this offseason after he collapsed doing 110-yard sprints in practice and was replaced in the hospital and passed away two weeks later. Now, of course, this is obviously a big, big deal, of course. Now, now with the uh, culture and the aspect of the football program coming under fire, uh, being a bullying program and just humiliating and verbal abuse of players, uh, as they have called it, this is, you know, a big deal. Being that, you know, we've played both played football, we've both coached in our time, I don't think that every program does this, but I think there is some level of degree of similarity to this. Absolutely. Where... Coaches are hard on kids and really, you know, going after them in practice and in games and, you know, maybe some sort of verbal abuse is happening. But, you know, DJ Durkin, I think, just has to do better. There's, the program really has to do their investigation and really find out what's going on here. I mean, do you feel that, you know, Durkin is, will be back with this, this, this team? And how do, you, how do you think Maryland will rebound from this? Honestly, it's very tough to say. This case is a lot different than the Ohio State case because simply you got a death on your hands and mm -hmm. that is very very serious any way you look at it for any amount of schooling sports of any such Absolutely. so with that being said they basically got a different approach than it would be for you know urban myers case or you know in this case dj durkin 
it's kind of like, yeah, maybe he lied about covering, you know, knowing of what was going on in the situation. But then again, he had to have known something. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to fall back on is reputation of the school again. See, Ohio State's reputation is it's like a compare and contrast type of thing. I want to say Ohio State simply because, you know, they're known for having a solid football program. Right. Maryland, before you bring all these well-coached and good coaches back to the, the sports programs that's in the school, it's known for an academic school. Mm-hmm. So they want to keep sure that their academics is right, but also having, you know, their players for whatever sport they may be right. still be in line and follow those guidelines that they need. Now that they got DJ Durkin at Maryland, mm-hmm. you know, He's a good football background and his knowledge of what he's doing. However, the whole situation, you know, is really under the microscope, and I think it's going to be very, very hard for Maryland to bounce back from this one because it's involving the head coach, the athletic director, and the whole entire school pretty much, you know. So Yeah, I mean, this is something that, you know, will go on for quite some time, I think. Absolutely. They've got to really look into the situation, of course. You know, when players really speak up and feel that, you know, this is not a good environment for them. You have to look into it. You have to find out, get to the bottom of things. And just recently, you know, it's come about where DJ Durkin perhaps maybe have hired a lawyer to uh, rep two former players against uh, sexual assault abuse, you know, with athletic department funds. So there's a lot of different things happening with DJ Durkin, you know, and even the former athletic director, Kevin Anderson, who was initially had taken the fall for some yes. of the other allegations, but, uh, you know, Maryland said it was him, but now it could possibly be that DJ Durkin was involved. A lawyer, actually, attorney Donald Maurice Jackson, actually said that he was hired by DJ himself. Yeah. You know, and he had minimal contact with former athletic director Kevin Anderson. So, DJ Durkin is definitely himself under the hot seat. You know, they've got to look at the program as a whole and see what they want to do there. But, you know, I don't see him actually coaching at all this season. Will he be terminated? That's something we got, they've got to look at. I mean... How do you feel? Do you think he deserves to be back at the program or he should be gone? This is honestly one that's really tough to call. You know, people want to pull the trigger on a lot of things and to say, hey, it's automatic termination. But mm-hmm. realistically, you know, you got to hear his side. You got to hear all sides Absolutely. of the story pretty much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a very, 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 very serious case. But at the end of the day, none of us was actually there. Absolutely. So we'll, I guess we'll find out when the time comes. Well, folks, that wraps up episode one of What's the Word? Again, I am your host, Sherman Hall, a.k.a. Sherman with my man, Ronnie Ricketts. Thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate you. Looking forward to keeping doing this every week, and uh, we'll be back with more content later on the show. Be sure to check out our channel, What's the Word? And we'll be back with more exciting news and highlights throughout the year. Thank you so much. Thank you.